Section 7 of What She Said and What She Meant and People Who Haven't Time and Can't Afford It by Pansy. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. People Who Haven't Time and Can't Afford It, Chapter 2 Making Calls. Her next stop was at Mr. Jarvis Veter's mansion. Mrs. Veter was not in, but the young ladies were. Would she see the young ladies? Yes, she would. They were graduated young ladies, having finished their education, whatever that may mean. They certainly ought to have a degree of leisure, and if their father could be induced to help along an industrial school with his money, perhaps they would help it with their time and their education. She was shown to the back parlor, where were the Mrs. Veter, and with them two other young ladies, each with their fancy work. They gave her kindly greeting. She was a frequent caller at the house, for she made lovely dresses and aprons for the little Veters. I wish I could give you a glimpse of that back parlor. It was a most luxurious room. Wealth and taste and skill had united in making it a place of beauty. If it had a fault, it was that it was crowded especially mrs layman's eyes rested curiously on the number of fancy ornaments which filled the available spaces tidies of every hue and shape and design on the backs of rockers and easy camp chairs and on the three-cornered sofa three of them three on the tete-a-tete and on the arms of all the chairs that could boast of arms the vases on mantels and brackets rested on mats of bright-coloured wools rose mats and pansy mats and tulip mats and every grade and shape of mat seemed literally to swarm worsted cats curled composedly in the corners of the hassocks with which the room was plentifully supplied in front of the doors were elegant mats of rich design a great grey woolly dog occupying one centre heavily surrounded with fine worsted work known to the initiated by the name of filling in at the other door was one of those devices of satan for consuming time and money an elegant mat manufactured out of ravelled brussels carpeting laboriously knit together again and a sleeping lion in wools and beads crouched in the centre of the hearth-rug in short the menagerie in green and blue and yellow and brown wools that curled in millennial peace together in that room represented a small fortune in money and an almost unlimited number of hours and wonderful to relate all these works of art were the product of the united skill of the young ladies of the house mrs layman had long been aware of this fact for the fond mother loved to boast of her daughter's industry surely having done up the fancy work for a century to come these young ladies were the ones to devote their leisure to industrial schools she explained the subject with equal clearness but with not quite the enthusiasm that she had shown at mrs van norman's that lady had had a quieting effect on her ardour well said miss lillian veter i'm sure it is a nice idea real sweet of you to think of it mrs layman but who will be the teachers you say you will need a good many where are they to come from why said wily mrs layman it must be a benevolent work entirely of course so we must depend mainly on those who have their time at their own disposal 
i thought perhaps you and your sister would take up the work my patience said miss lillian and the idea said miss evelyn why mrs layman i hope you don't think we are ladies of leisure i assure you i am hurried from morning till night last christmas i sat up until midnight two or three times to finish my bead cushion and i have at least a dozen pieces of fancy work in the house this minute waiting to be finished when they ever will be i'm sure i don't know you see mrs layman we have such a host of friends and they all expect something in the fancy line from us knowing that we understand all such work and then our large house requires so much of that sort oh dear me don't mention our doing anything of the kind i'm sure i shudder at the thought of the holidays or of weddings or of people's birthdays for fear i shall be so crowded with work and miss lillian sighed and pushed back her hair from her flushed forehead and bent over her white silk spitz dog and said one two three four no why one two three there i've made a mistake now that dog's nose will all have to be taken out what a shame i declare i won't speak again in an hour as for miss evelyn she had exhausted the time at her disposal in the sublime sentence the idea and from that time had devoted herself most energetically to her bead fringe keeping up an incessant murmuring of one two three and a pearl one two three and a pearl until you wondered that she didn't scream over the stupidity of the thing it was impossible not to measure the amount of mental and physical and spiritual life of these two young ladies by a comprehension of their absorptions and mrs layman without suffering herself to waste any arguments at all on them turned to their friends miss alice markham and miss margie lee both of them members of the same church with herself both of them pledged not to live for themselves but for christ both of them with fathers whose bank accounts supplied all their wants real and fancied both of them having graduated at madame de long's seminary how did these young ladies occupy their time she appealed to them miss alice answered with spirit i've always observed mrs layman that you people who are very industrious suppose that young ladies who do not have to work for a living have therefore nothing to do now certainly i am not a young lady of leisure i am keeping up my music i practice four hours a day that in itself consumes about all the available time between calls and going out and then i read french and german as regularly as i did in school an industrial school may be a good idea though probably about the last thing that these dreadful people want is to be industrious why don't they go to work that is what i always wonder there is a great deal of useless sympathy wasted on the poor miserable set but the children ventured mrs layman who realized that to attempt argument with this lady would be a literal casting of pearls where they would not be appreciated well the children lazy thieving set just as bad as they can be the little boys who come from higby lane region are a disgrace to the city and as for the girls miss maurice has been trying to gather some of them into her mission class 
actually coaxed the little wretches to come bribed them with sugar plums and how did they repay her one of them stole her pencil case the very next sunday and they looked more like animals than human beings and smelled Fuh! words failed miss alice and mrs layman turned from her promptly a young lady who could bring forward the utter degradation of the poor as a reason for doing nothing for them was not the material needed for teachers in an industrial school but before she utterly left her she could not resist the temptation to ask one question which she meant as a probe to that lady's conscience may i ask you miss markham what you are going to do with your music and french and german do with them queried miss markham in a half wondering half supercilious tone why my good woman what do people generally do with talents in superior education that is a solemn question said mrs layman it really needs to be settled on one's knees before the lord if music and french and german are worthy of the absolute absorption of all our available time to the exclusion of any other of god's work then if we are christians they must in some way be doing god's work else we are not applying our talents to the end that they were given nor to the end that we covenanted when we united with his visible church i am simply asking for information miss markham i suppose of course your special talents are consecrated then she turned entirely from her and looked at miss lee are you interested to know what that young lady was engaged in an occupation which so absorbed her that apparently she had neither eyes nor ears for any other earthly object she was snipping holes in a piece of cloth and sewing them up again snipping carefully skillfully sewing them with infinite pains and millions of delicate stitches requiring patience and skill she called them wheels and eyelets and leaves and scallops and when they were done it was perfectly exquisite and was designed for the infantile robe of an atom of humanity who luxuriated in more of that article now than her weary overburdened little body knew how to bear up under the maker of the said embroidery was civil and ladylike she smiled kindly on mrs layman hoped she would succeed such things were needed she supposed though she never had time to think much about it she was always busy one thing and another took up the time until now she really was busier than she had been when in school she never could teach anybody sewing and lessons and all that she had no taste for had tried to teach her own little sister to hem and made wretched work of it still there must be people who had time for such things people on whom society didn't make so many demands they were just the ones too for they could understand the poor enter into their feelings as of course people of position and culture couldn't be expected to do but after all said mrs layman the one who seemed to understand the poor better than any other person who ever lived was the lord jesus christ and then in a moment she was sorry that she had said it for these young ladies all looked at her as though she had some way said an improper thing for aught she knew they would not have considered jesus of nazareth a person of position and culture 
but she left them to their dogs and cats and fringes and snippings and betook herself to the next name on her list mr e d landor this family were at dinner and she was ushered cordially into the dining-room come in come in said mr landor heartily he was a merchant and the stockholder in half a dozen factories and everybody spoke of him as a whole-souled generous-hearted man come right in have some dinner with us you have dined eh sensible woman to dine at a reasonable hour ah well and how is your good husband the best machinist that comes about my premises he will make his fortune yet and deserves to all this mr lander said in a brisk business tone carrying on his eating at the same time with rapidity and skill he was used to giving attention to several important affairs at once mrs layman took courage from his cheery voice and loud cheery manner and unfolded her errand i grieve to tell you that the benevolent face settled into an ominous frown now my good friend you are dealing in a kind of filth that won't wash off let me advise you as a sensible woman to let that sort of scum alone it is all stuff to talk about the worthy poor there is no such thing it is a crime to be poor in this country a man ought to be punished for it mr landor said mrs layman with spirit now you are talking nonsense and you know you are any man who calls himself a patriot and remembers the army of soldiers who came home from the war ruined in health and crippled in limbs has no right to say any such thing i had a friend who went and who came and who is poor dependent on others for his support now well well said mr landor there are exceptions of course but they only prove the rule the masses of the poor are so because they have been improvident extravagant dissipated idle everything that is mean and to be condemned and i have no patience with their whining beggarly ways nor with schemes for lifting them up they have been lifted up too much they need letting down they ought to be sent to state's prison every one of em end of section seven